I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. folks welcome back for another episode of ginger and dutch here on the ginger and dutch podcast we're into episode three here on season number two and uh i couldn't be happier right now folks uh, we got the buffalo bills in the afc championship game this week dutch come on in You've been uh, you've been waiting a long time for it, so uh, so I, I hate using the word congrats because it's really not you know your team, but but it is kind of cool. It's a it's a it's a really cool moment, and uh, it's going to be different today. We're uh, we're working remotely for the first time since way back when we first started this whole thing a year ago almost. Yep, yep, and a uh, good little segue there into the next couple of weeks. I've been fiddling around, and we're going to be able to go live here with some of our podcasts um on uh, periscope and twitter so for all of our listeners out there we'll let you know when that date happens and you'll get to see our ugly mugs and uh be able to go live and, and get a little bit more interactive with it so we're excited for that too yeah absolutely it should be fun hopefully uh hopefully i can uh make it work properly and uh well uh, you you don't you don't give yourself too much credit on the technological side but you're you're pretty savvy you're pretty good with it <laughs> well, we'll we'll see about that. I made it on a Zoom chat last night, and I made it on Detox Live today uh, from the PGA. Set up something pretty cool. We had uh, special guests. We also had uh, um, David Amber. David Amber on from yep. uh, yeah. So it was it was kind kind of neat. They talked a little bit about Martin Luther King Day and uh, and just stuff and sports and the resiliency and and where we are in an industry. So it was kind of cool for the golf side of it, but. Yeah, let's uh, let's get things rolling here. We got some cool topics uh, to start, and uh, as we always do, uh, tell uh, tell our listeners how we're going to take this down. Yeah, we got it. We'll start off now here uh, with a little rapid fire, and then we'll uh, switch from there over to the PGA Tour, and we'll brag about our uh, our Sony Open picks and make our picks for the American Express. Then we'll send uh, our listeners off to break, and when we get back from break, we'll uh, we'll flip over into the talk of the town, and that's the NFL AFC Championship Week. Uh, a little review of the divisional round for big matchups this weekend. So let's start off and get into a little rapid fire Dutch, the Toronto Raptors winners of three in a row, crawling back all the way to five and eight. Can this team uh, get back to where they want to be? Or is it uh, just a, a mediocre club here? Listen, signs of life for sure. Uh, Chris Boucher's just been a, an exceptional. Uh, I, I even think he's he's early candidate for uh, most improved player in the league. They're they're they had no choice but to alter their lineup, and I think it was too early to tell uh, with how these Raptors were going to play out. Um, they're like you said, they're up to five and eight off after a horrendous start. Even though they lost two games by a point, they were they were in. They've only been blown out once out of their eight losses, so they're. I think they're starting to put something together, you know, it, it was hard for them, you know, losing Gasol, losing Ibaka, you know, and, and obviously the year before in the, with the shortened, with the bubble with, with um, Leonard, it, it changed the whole culture of this team. And they're really trying to find themselves uh, right now. And I think they're doing a good job. Listen, these next five games are going to be pretty tough. You got Miami coming up twice. You got Indiana twice. And then of course you got the bucks. Um, can they string a few, if I, they can come out three and two out of this, uh, I think there's a huge upside for sure, with these Toronto Raptors. Listen, um, we all know five and eight's not not the start we were looking for. More like an eight and five team. You've got the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Magic, Charlotte, and the Chicago Bulls ahead of you in those standing Eastern Conference standings right now. That's not a tough gauntlet to start to claw above moving forward. Some of those teams, yes, and we've even talked. I know we talked in our NBA preseason preview about teams like the Hawks and teams like the Bulls that that have made significant improvements, but they're still not the, the Nets of the world, the Bucks of the world, um, you know, some of these big teams, the Pacers, and, and some of these, you know, 76ers, the, the big dogs of the East. Are the Raptors going to claw back? Yes, I believe they will claw back and they'll get there. They've got enough depth. 
um, on the starting lineup. They've got one or two guys right now. If emergence of Stanley Johnson can come forward that we've seen over the last couple of games, it can add, you know, the third piece off of the bench and give you that nice little eight man rotation. Um, you, you nailed it. Boucher has been solid. And with 16, 17, and, and three blocks a night averaging over, over these first 13 games, is he going to continue that at that level? I don't know. I think we're going to need to see more from Baines or anything from Len to help out Boucher when he hits that wall. But I still think that this is a 6-7 team in the East. This East is way deeper than it's ever been in the last decade. And they'll claw back and they'll get above 500. But I don't see them getting much past the first round here. Yeah, I, I got him in that five to eight range, and I'm glad you brought up the the big man because I think that that's where they will run into trouble when they play some of these bigger teams. And I know we know there's no traditional center anymore. We've talked about that before, but you know Baines and Len from the last time we spoke uh, after those quick first couple games, they've kind of really just disappeared, and it's really not what we've hoped for so far. So um, I think we're both on the the same page. Uh, hopefully, we can get on. Uh, we've got a, a couple ideas where we were chatting. Uh, we should be able to to bring on some Raptors uh, conversation. Uh, let's just hope that they can turn the record around and uh, maybe we can get a nice, cool special guest on uh, my turn here. James Harden suck bear. So he finally gets his, uh, his wish. He gets traded to Brooklyn. All about I, not about team. We're two games in. Do you think it's going to work? Yes, I do think it's going to work. If, if, if last night was any indication, they went toe-to-toe with the Milwaukee Bucks, 125-123 final as we record here on uh, on Tuesday, January 19th. They just need Harden and Durant. I don't even think they need Kyrie. I think I think you throw Kyrie in, and that's just the, the third ego and the curveball. Um, and I think the Nets know that. I think they're okay with Kyrie doing their thing and, and – um, he practically ghosted them a week and a half ago and didn't show up for work. I think, I think he's the guy that you put on the block and I think you run with Harden and Durant. They've shown that they can do it in the past. Uh, they were just young when that happened and they went to the finals, but, um, yeah, I think it can work. I think James Harden, from what we've seen from these, there's these, the start here, uh, with the NBA being back, he's. He's starting to pass the ball a little bit more. Uh, Twelve assists again last night. He was. He's had, uh, I believe, four triple doubles already. So he's showing that he can play a little bit of a team game. Did he pay, play the suck bear? Hundred percent. He played the suck bear. But who isn't playing the suck bear? That's just the athletes that we live in today. Look at Deshaun Watson. Um, you don't like something, you play suck bear, and they trade you. That's just the way it works. It's the truth. You're, you're right. It's the truth. Uh, and I do like how you, you say, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Kyrie. I just say dump him. I mean, he's just going to he will be the headache if that's the problem. And I still believe, uh, you know, Joe Harris was a key resign. We talked about that back on free agency when we were seeing who was going to go where. And uh, I think he's going to make a, a big difference. They're now co-favorites to uh, to win the championship with the Lakers. Um, they proved they can go toe to toe. And this is with little practice, if any. Um, against the Bucks, uh, you're right. Last night it was a great, great game. I managed to catch the last uh, quarter and a half of it, so um, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. We'll see. Uh, I'm not a big Harden fan, but look out East because uh, I think Brooklyn's going to be there. Yeah, and with, with Durant, you know, I, I was always on that same train, train Dutch with, you know, James Harden's never going to win a championship. No, he'll never win anything. You can't win with this guy. But I, I just think Kevin Durant. I think he's just so underrated in in his personality and um, the glue that he brings to the team. You know, what do we hear when, when it was that whole thing about the Warriors? Oh, how's he going to fit in? How's he going to score? How's he going to get his, uh, he, he got his and they went to the finals again. Right. And I think that you're going to see the same thing Durant with Harden is, is that he just seems to be a guy that can get along with everybody. Um, the whole Kyrie thing, they wanted to be together. So I think he's well liked and I think he's going to be the key part um and if Kyrie sticks around and they don't dump him and keeping that glue together um, and possibly letting this team get to the finals here. Let's switch over now. You've been ducking me here on this question for, for uh, I well, I threw it out there on episode one. You ducked me last week. You're not ducking me this week. Is Steph Curry the greatest NBA shooter of all time? 
these are tough debates and that's why I took a little bit to, to put my stuff together, you know, different errors, et cetera. It's just like Gretzky or, um, you know, we've had that huge debate about MJ LeBron, um, and different errors, but to answer your question, yes, I think he's the greatest shooter of all time. And, you know, in 12 years, Ginger, he's accomplished tons, right? You've got, he was, he was the backbone of the Warriors dynasty during 2015, 2019, right? He had five, they had five straight NBA finals. They won three championships. And I know he, he wasn't an MVP in the, in, the, in the playoffs per se, but he had two league MVPs o- across the board there. Um, you know what? I got a tribute for you. In those championship runs, Durant was the MVP. Who was the other MVP from those championship teams? I'm just trying to think back. I'll leave it with you. Don't Google it. I'll leave it with you. Yeah. Okay. Career. Career, 43% from three-point land. Okay. That's third all-time next to Steve Kerr and Hubert Davis. He's third all-time in points for three points, soon to be second. Okay. The only guys that are ahead of him are Ray Allen and my boy Reggie Miller. Okay. He won't catch Ray Allen, but he's definitely going to pass. Uh, he's definitely going to pass Reggie. Okay. Think about the seasons that he's at. He said 40 times where he scored 40 plus a game, six 50 plus games. You know, most recently you saw he had a 60 point game. No doubt he changed the culture of three point land. He can shoot it anywhere. Anywhere on the court, he's the he's the guy that's defined it. And you got to remember, even though we're in a, a shooting league, last year the league attempted over thirty five percent. It was up right from three point land, and he tops that list for volume and efficiency. Yeah, he's he's shooting more than you know anywhere anywhere in his last eight years in his career. He's averaged per night anywhere from nine to almost twelve threes a night. Night in, night in. He's actually shooting more from three than he is from two. Yep. It's it's absolutely unbelievable what he's done. And and you nailed it. He he's changed the landscape of how we play the NBA game today. The Houston Rockets, case in point, our beloved Toronto Raptors. You know, how many years ago would we be yelling and screaming at the the TV screen, going, What are they doing? Shooting 30 plus threes a night. And that's just the way the game's played now. And it's because of Steph Curry. Hands down. Hands down. And I know you and I know you thought, you know, I know you were maybe gonna, you know, touch a little bit on uh on his old man, because his old man had one of the best releases in the game, but you just can't compare and there's no no way you could say that 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 Dell was a a, a better a shooter. I mean, maybe from a set position, but the fact that even when they had their their when the NBA had that little two year hiatus. Um, and dropped the the three point line. I think it was in 94, 95, 95, 96 season. Um, Dell played in that era, and and you know his percentage went up, obviously, and that's part of the reason why he was a forty percent um, three point shooter. But you know he only played half the amount of time. He was only averaging twenty minutes a game, as opposed to Steph, which is uh, upwards of thirty right now. I think he's just under thirty career average for minutes. And the fact is, the guy's shooting from half court, and and sometimes on purpose. Uh, he is hands down um, and he's going to be in case of, of an argument for one of the greatest shooters of all time when it's all said and done. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it, the only thing I think that I can think back of um, from his career is, is the one that, that one shot that, that Robert Ory shot that, that Ray Allen shot in the corner um, with the Celtics you know, the Reggie Miller turnarounds versus the Knicks, uh, you know, I, I, maybe I'm missing it. Maybe it's not coming to me right now, but I think that's the only real sh- thing that Steph's missing from his, his repertoire, not his repertoire, but his, but his legacy is, you know, that one, Hey, where's the, where's the Jordan on, on Byron Russell shot to win the championship or uh, all he needs is something like that from, from three point land to really cement um, his legacy moving forward. Agreed, but you got to look at all the guys that he had there. And and to to answer my trivia question, it was a defensive player, believe it or not, that won the. My uh, original response was going to be Draymond Green, but it was Andre Iguodala. Iguodala, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep, 
he had just an absolute epic playoff run, epic, epic final. So, all right, we'll move on here. Um, I'll throw one at, and then I know you've got one more before we get into golf. So uh, let's uh, let's hit a brief talk about the Blue Jays. They keep striking out. What is next for them? I know, you know, there's a bit of Springer talk, but it sounds like he's going to go to the Mets. Um, do they go all in for a Trevor Bauer, or is this just going to be the same old Blue Jays like we keep hearing, and they talk? Um, they try and put money out, but they just can't seem to land anybody. There's some, there's still guys out there, but there's no, you know, marquee name. If, if Springer's gone and, 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 and Bauer's gone now, what? It's a failure. It's an off season failure. I, and I know you, you, you know, you don't win and lose in off seasons, uh, per se, but for a fan base that is so jacked up about the result of making the playoffs last year, getting a little bit of taste back, you've got this young core, you know, they just signed Manuel Beltre. That's a nice little move and piece to keep things moving forward. But eventually you've got to bring some veterans in. We've said that right even from last some of the podcasts we did last year, Dutch. You know, where's the, the two or three veteran guys to um, bring this team over the top or the or the superstar to bring it over the top? And if if they can't land it here. Like the purse strings were loosened. Um, you you made the playoffs. You got a good young core. There's no that you know you're playing out of Buffalo, which helps them a little bit on this some tax situation. When are we going to land these guys? I'm sorry, but but Tyler Chatwood, talk about striking out. Well, Tyler Chatwood, yeah, you've got filthy stuff, and your your spin rate is second out of all the pitchers in the MLB. But when you don't know where the ball's going. Yeah. He's gonna hit the strike zone. I don't really care about Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. You know, we needed one of these big stars just to keep this this mojo going. I still think they've got to land somebody good, N- not just for the sake of landing somebody good. You know, they've got to can be able to contribute to the team, but they've got to land somebody here, or there's going to be a lot of upset fans in this fan base uh, when they had such good mojo going. Well, yeah, and, and you know with the Jays, there's, if they're not winning, nobody's going. And I know we're still in, in COVID here, but, you know, when fans do come back, are they going to come back for Toronto? I, I say no. I mean, we've got a great core of, of young talent that if we can build upon it, uh, there could be something special here. But it just, it, it just seems inevitable that we're going down the, the, the bad path here. Well, let's get to our last topic here, a rapid fire, and that is... The NHL, we're off to a, uh, a start here. Some teams have played one game. Uh, some teams have played four games. Dutch, what are you seeing here? Uh, do you like what you're seeing so far? Are you seeing anything different from what you thought? Or are we kind of following down the path that me and you thought? It's kind of both. Um, you know, what I'm seeing is, is well, first off, just on a, on a personal note, I, I, it's awesome to have multiple games on every day. It's great. Um, there's, there's tons of, tons of action, tons of games. You can stay up late West coast games. There's, there's tons going on, but you know, I'm seeing a lot of injuries. Um, I'm seeing a lot of guys not up to speed. And and I think that this sport over any sport, no matter what you're going to say with equipment or not with, with, with tackling or not, when we come to football and that is, is you're really seeing that, that a lack of preseason, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's hindered them. You can really see their tired legs and, uh, um, especially when the playoff game, uh, the, the one Leaf playoff game, they were just gassed, uh, which was, I think, uh, first or second game out. They were just gassed. But um, COVID's going to be a huge trend. You know, what I'm going to try and what we need to try and figure out is, is how the heck are they going to make this work? You know, Dallas hasn't even played a game yet. OK, we're four games in for most teams. Some are uh, onward for their fifth tonight. And Dallas still has yet to play. Yep, Florida's you know, only played one. Right. So it's making a, a, a big difference uh, that way. So we're going to see what's going on. But all in all, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of what we thought. I want to touch base quickly on the Leafs. Um, I, I was about to come on here and say, you know, same old Leafs, uh, you know, tied for most goals um, for and but yet given up just as many. And then last thing happens and they look like a, a championship caliber team. They, they, they dominate Winnipeg pretty much. I'd say the first 40 minutes they dominated a little, little lazy in the, uh, in the third period. But what an overall 
awesome defensive job. Um, the the Brody showed up. The guys showed up that were supposed to show up, and they they did a they did a fantastic job. And I I think they're they're brewing up something special here in the early uh, early go. If they can just rally around and hope that Anderson can can you know get to the form that we've all thought and wanted he could be there, then um, I'm excited for what's to come with the Leafs. What what impressed me is that you held on so far on the two one goal leads, which is which is nicer to see. You know how I feel about this core. I, I don't need to to go on and on. And I know there's a lot of people out there that that don't agree with me, but um, th- this team's gonna be one of the top four teams in that division, and they're gonna move on to this this open uh, round of sixteen that we're gonna have here in the NHL and and be able to play interdivisionally in one, in those first two rounds. Um, but to me, it comes down to, can they protect the leads and can they get over the hump in the playoffs? It's, it's the same story we heard on a national level about, you know, the Buffalo bills and the Cincinnati Bengals when Dalton was there and they, they made it to four or five straight years in a row in the playoffs. Eventually you got to get over the hump or the group you have is just not good enough. That's fact. I I don't like saying it because I I, I do cheer for the, for the blue and white, but I also look at it from an unbiased opinion that if this team loses again in the first round of the playoffs, you cannot argue that or, or, or wonder why people question about whether the team is good enough or not. So through four games, Dutch, you're bang on some nice, nice points to see um, protecting the one goal leads. And, and some good group efforts and some good wins. Hey, three and one, we're off to a good start. Knock on wood, let's try to keep it going. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more on all of it. Uh, this is a, a major, major, major year for them. Um, you know, you got a, a full, on, on now a full, even though it's a, a shortened season, you're going to have a full season with uh, with Sheldon Keith at the at the helm. Um they're going to need to get it done. Uh, there's no excuses. They don't have to play Boston. Ha ha ha, but they're not going to have to play Boston to start. So there's no excuses. They should be, uh, they should be able to, to take care of business and, and win around. If not, you're right. They're going to have to really start taking a hard look at themselves. And uh, maybe they're going to have to blow some stuff up here. Dutch. Well done on the golf picks at the Sony open. The first week of the year, a T four T seven. I piggybacked off you with uh, with the sleeper. We nailed Mark Leishman, um, and you had Morikawa in there with the T7. Let's keep it going. We're off to the American Express. The old, I believe this was the old Bob Hope Chrysler Classic, right? The Desert Classic, was it not? Yeah, way, way back way, way at back. PJ yeah. West. You got it, yeah. PJ you West. Got it. Um, so last year we had, it's a shootout. Everybody who, uh, who follows and knows this tournament knows that this is a shootout. You got to be anywhere between minus 25 and minus 28 some years uh, to win this golf tournament. Last year was Andrew Landry. Since you had such a great week, uh, tell us, keep it rolling Dutch. Tell us who's going to be there here this weekend. Well, thanks. Yeah, uh, we will try and keep it going. And, uh, and for our listeners, uh, we've had, we have, we continue to have uh, success and I'm, I'm glad we started hot off the gate because um, for if, if everybody remembers, uh, Mr. Leishman was 60 to one. So um, you can imagine what they each way paid. It wasn't obviously 60 to one, but you can do the math on that. So I, uh, I started off my, my bankroll pretty good this, uh, this week. So, or for this year, um, I got a nice, easy lock of the week. Uh, he loves the West coast, pretty straightforward. There's no, no, I'm not hiding anywhere. And that's Patrick Cantley. Uh, it's the type of the tournament that he, um, that he can win. Um, he cracked the top 10 the last time he played, which was in 2019. Yep. Uh, I just think it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a major. It's also not one of those, you know, it's not a world golf championship. And for some reason to me, I just Cantley just hasn't been able to win a big one, but uh, I got Cantley in, in an event like this. I think he can go toe to toe with the boys. So that's my lock. My steady uh, pick of the, uh, of the, um, of the week is um, a young, Young guy, he won last year on the tour. He's uh, one of the big names. Um, he's not, you know, touted to necessarily win this week, but uh, but I think he can handle. He can bomb it anywhere. And that's Matt Wolf. Okay, he always does well over on the West Coast in uh, his, per- his first season in the on the tour. So I really like that one. And I got a cool dark horse for you. Um, nowhere. I looked everywhere. I started did my own research, and then I looked everywhere, and nobody has him on the radar. I'm really excited about it, and that's. Ryan Moore, 60 to one. 
He finished T6 last year. He had four rounds in the 60s there, and he's nowhere to be found on the board. Uh, I love it. There you go. There you go, listeners. Hop on. Dutch is hot. Hopefully he keeps it going. I'll go from the bottom and go up here. So I'm going to – I actually love this pick, and I really like my first two picks this week. Had struggle stru- struggled finding uh, a big gun I felt comfortable with. So we'll start with my dark horse pick. 2018 tied for 17th, 2019 tied for 34th, and 2020 tied for 10th in this golf tournament. Dark horse, Andrew Putnam. Andrew Putnam, probably, I don't know what he is on the betting line. Uh, Dutch, if you got it on your phone, you can look it up while I continue on my picks, but I bet you he's probably 80 to 100 to 1. So uh, a nice little dark horse pick there, and he's shown some good form at this golf tournament. My rock steady pick of the week is I'm going to take a, a guy that you picked last week. He finished, I believe, um, T40, T45 last week. He made the cut, had a solid finish, but just wasn't around the, the top 20. And that is Abraham Answer, showing some nice form here uh, at this tournament in the last couple of years. T8, T, T18 in 2019 and second outright last year in this tournament. Abraham answer as my steady pick of the week and my big gun uh, T 14 in this tournament last year, I was looking for a big gun that makes lots of birdies can bomb it out there and feels comfortable. Like you said, on these kind of mid range tour events where it's not all the pressure and, and you know, all the big guns are out there and I'm going to go with Tony fee now um, as my big gun of the week. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. And I did look it up while you were there. And uh, yeah. <laughs> um, are you ready for this? What is he? 120? 120 to one? He's, he's 205. <laughs> he's 205. A, a $20, a $20 um, wager pays $4,000. And on the each way, it pays $800. So I'm telling you, man, T17, T34, T10. This guy, this guy is, he's going to be around there. I'm not guaranteeing anything because obviously it's a dark horse, but at two oh five to one, put ten bucks on, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Why not? Why not? I'm gonna look it up too. Uh, hopefully, not too many do. I don't want that number to drop. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, great, great. So, you know, uh, answers always been there, and uh, you know what? He he's. I'm hoping he he gets a win. Same with Finau. Um, I like our picks. Uh, great job. Good research. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see how it shapes up. I know. Uh, I think the number one ranked guy this week is uh, Patrick Reed, yeah, but for sure we don't really like to we don't really like to pick him for various reasons. So, uh, although I did pick him once uh, once last year, but all right, good job, amazing. Well, uh, that'll send our listeners off the break here, folks. Make sure you're following us on all the social media outlets: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're looking forward to coming up uh, doing some live interactive podcasting as well. So stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you on the flip side. The Devil's Advocates of Sports Talk Radio. Real life passion for real life sports. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. And to end off episode three here in season two, we would be remiss if we left out the NFL. Divisional weekend is done. Championship weekend is here. Hey, hey, hey. do we hear those Bills Mafia rising up? We got the Bucks, the Packers, and the Chiefs. Dutch, what'd you learn about the divisional weekend? <sighs> it was exciting. I'll tell you that much. Uh, the number one topic is going to be, of course, Patty Mahomes. But what I learned is we went back and forth. Defense wins playoff football. And these four games, the defenses showed up. Tons of turnovers. Look at the Buffalo Bills even holding Baltimore to three points. Uh, I just thought that we've got a sexy championship weekend or championship Sunday, all four teams left are pretty much where we thought we were going to go. And it's going to be so exciting. I, I can't, I can't wait to break down even just each game. And you know what? 
the Bills are, are, are your beloved Bills, and, and you are so jacked. I know you already can't wait for Sunday. So, you know, w- what did you think of that game? I mean, neither offense played well. The win played a, a major part for sure. There was four missed field goals. You know, I thought the bright spot obviously was was Stefan Diggs. I mean, clearly he can't be guarded. He was eight for a hundred and change, and which was over half of Josh Allen's total, by the way. Um, but if they're gonna if they're gonna win next week, yeah, you know, they're gonna need to f- come up with some some type of running game. And I see Josh and his legs uh, running a ton this coming week. I love Dable's uh, approach. I loved how he caught them all off guard, and there wasn't, if I'm correct, there was not one running play by the Buffalo Bills in the first quarter? Nope. It was uh, on, on full almost 19 plays into the football game and well into the second quarter. I learned I learned a couple things, and, and you nailed on one. I, what I learned from Divisional Weekend is, and especially not only in playoff football, any football is turnovers key, are key. Are, they're still important. Um, three of the games in which the team won the turnover battle, the team won. Uh, the Buffalo Bills won the turnover battle. The Bucks clearly won the turnover battle, and the Chiefs won the turnover battle. All three of those teams winning. And I also, once again, was confirmed that this is a game of inches. It and and people laugh when you you say that, but but let's break it down. And you you talked about a couple of the plays, um, two missed field goal goals by the best kicker in maybe NFL history in Justin Tucker. Those go either way. Could have a di- little bit of a different game. Missed opportunities. Hollywood Brown wide open on Teravius White with six minutes to go in the football game. Could have been a little bit of a different football game, right? Um, we look at the Bucks game. Jared Cook holds on to that football up 20 to 13 midway through that third quarter. It could be 23-13. It could be 27-13. It could be – we could be talking about the Saints, right? And just like you, you messaged me uh, while we were watching that game. You know, he can't make that play. That's a veteran guy, cannot make that play. And obviously, the Chiefs and the Browns, no more game came down to a game of inches um, on that play before halftime on the third and 14 rush by Henny, by Andy Reid going for it uh, on fourth and inches. Football is a game of inches, and these inches come down to about four or five plays. And to me, that was reconfirmed. The only game that I, out of the, the four games that was clearly you know, one team was much better or class above the other was the Packers Rams game. That didn't come down to inches. That didn't come down to turnovers. The Packers were just the better football team on that day. Yeah. And one word really injuries, right? The Rams were just too beaten up. I mean, there was right. It made for no competition. Uh, Rogers had a solid game. You know, he was, he was dialed in across the board and, um, and I told you that the X factor was going to be the run game, right? Jones and Williams and Dylan, they combined for almost 200 yards in that game. And, you know, you had no cop. You had a, a, a mediocre at best golf. Uh, Aaron Donald's hurt. A couple other big injuries. Uh, you know, Green Bay was just the, the class of, of, if you want to say the class of the weekend for sure. But I want to go back to that Cleveland game because uh, I know it was, it, it's been on the NFL Network and they've been talking about it big time. But I just really, really think that, that um, Cleveland was the better team for most of that game. And, and that play where, where, Higgins got rocked. I mean, that was threefold on the reason why that NFL, the NFL has to change this rule. It, it just, it was absolutely horseshit that a Higgins makes a, they make a beautiful play there. He's, he's about to march in. He goes to dive B. He gets rocked with a helmet to helmet hit and three, the ball goes through the end zone, which is the stupidest rule in football. And now it's an automatic. Not only do you lose the ball, you might have lost your player. You don't get a penalty, and the ball is now goes on the on the twenty for the other team. It's just absolutely asinine that that big of a play can change it. If he fumbles that ball out at the one yard line, they have possession at the one yard line and changes the dynamics of that game completely. I'm telling you right now that that rule's getting changed, and it's it's about time and it's gonna get changed. Yeah. Well, let's start with the the first one. Okay. The helmet to helmet, that one, to me, I I don't even involve, like, these are two totally separate things to me. The helmet to helmet is the helmet to helmet. That happens on every single, not every single play, but that happens eight to ten times in a football game. Unfortunate that it happens in that situation, and, and 
that can happen. Should it be reviewable? Absolutely not, in my mind. Absolutely not. We would be reviewing plays left, right, and center. We would be back to the whole pass interference thing again. You would have five or six reviews every single game. So, I I disagree with you there, though. I disagree with you. I, I think that I think that it should be a reviewable call on, and and maybe it should maybe it's only on certain circumstances, i.e., like a, like a play like that um, that causes a turnover, that causes a fumble, um, or a, a um, or a scoring play. Because I but, get but it. Guys I know lower, what happens. But guys lower. Their, they're taught to lower their helmet into the football. I I, I get it. That's so, fine. So if the but runner the fact changes his the, position in a split second, now we're, now we're reviewing plays and calling penalties when he's taught to lower, the, lower his head and put, it, put his helmet on the football? Yeah, when the ball is turned over, 100%, Ginge. I, I, Stefan, I can't, I can't I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm not agreeing with you on this one. If, if the play resulted in a turnover, then there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to look at the play and say, did it? was did he turn the ball over because he got fucking rocked in the head. And if that's the case and he got rocked in the head, then yeah, it should be an automatic flag. I know they, I know it's split second stuff and I know you can't review every play and I don't want to slow the game down because they're long enough as it is. So I'm going to agree with you there. But when it involves a turnover, just like every other scoring plays reviewable so you're and saying all that, that stuff. You're saying helmet to helmet though. You're not saying helmet to football. No, helmet to football is fine. Okay. I'm okay. saying that if, that if you look at that play, the argument is that 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 by the contact to the head to Higgins' head from the, from the defender's yeah, from Sorensen, yep, very well could have been the main reason why he fumbled the ball. I'm not saying it was, but it yeah, could have been. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it was either, but I, okay. Then in those circumstances, you 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 know you've got to at least give the benefit of the doubt. That was such a game-changing play. 100% it was. Cleveland was showing they were they were showing they were marching the field. They were showing that, you know, Baker played a, a, a good game. The, his stats don't don't show it. I mean, there was lots of incompletions, lots of drop balls, especially by the backfield. Chubb dropped a couple. Yep. And and it just it had better fate and you knew when that play got happened that the writing was on the wall that that they were they were just it was destined for the Kansas City Chiefs to win and most importantly move on to the AFC championship against the Buffalo Bills and yes Patty Mahomes will be playing oh for sure he will but what what about offensive players lowering the helmet is that should that be reviewable again now if it let's go back to my 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 thought. If it's a scoring play, if it's something that that uh, that drastically Chad, affects it, then yeah, I think Chad yes. Hendy lowered his his head on the third and fourteen rush. And if 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 he's if he's hitting somebody in the head in full contact, then yeah, absolutely. But he's not. You got to remember, okay, especially a quarterback. So you can't. That's a bad bad example per se. Is that. You know, no quarterback's putting his head down to try and hit a, another another person's head, right? Whereas the defenders have, are taught to blow the guys up, and and I know they don't want to hit helmet to helmet, but they're taught to blow guys up. So if it's a running back and he's going full tilt and he bowls down a guy and puts his head down, you're damn right that should be a reviewable play, especially if it's a game changing play. I do agree with you on the rule. I think we'll have to agree to disagree there. The rule though, that rule's got to change. That ball's got to come out to the twenty and stay with the offense. That's my opinion. Got to stay with the offense. Yep. Stay with the offense. To come out the to the offense. come out to the twenty. You're 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 continue whatever down you were on 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 the twenty yard line, and off to the races you go, or even give them a first down for that matter. Because I know the NFL wants more scoring. Right. Couple couple shout outs I had. One thing that I noticed too, it, it with the back to that Packers game, great coaching by by the defensive line coach there. I don't know if you noticed it. The Rams were out starting left guard. Uh, um, for that game and numerous times, especially on big plays. Um, and I know our good friend, friend of the show that we've had on Matt Savage notices. We chatted briefly about it. They kicked down inside Zadaria Smith inside to go one-on-one with that backup left guard. And twice it was advantageous to them once on that last play there to end the football game where they got a sack off of it. So um, good coaching there by green Bay for sure. Oh uh, no, no doubt. I think Lafleur's done a great job with them. I think the the defense has been um, 
the bright spot for Green Bay these last uh, few weeks leading up to the playoffs. And they were ready and they were well prepared with that, that, that taking the first buy. It's, it's nice to see that, you know, when you are the first seed, you know, they put together a proper game plan. They knew what where they where the weak spots were for the Rams, and, and they capitalized on it, which was uh, a kudos to them. They're going to be a tough out, although uh, I'm I'm I don't think Mr. Brady's afraid. I don't think there's going to be any intimidation factor there, and I'm excited. Uh, why don't we uh, Why don't we switch to that and and talk about these 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 two massive matchups? As I said to you, um, you know, we we know uh, Patty Mahomes is going to play and. Um, you know, he's got to pass the five-step protocol, but you know, you, you listen to the conversation today, he's already uh, well on his way. Yep. So there's no, there's no way he's they're going to not let him play, but yeah. So before we talk to that though, uh, you know, it, it's funny how this all started. We talked about our predictions way, way back, back in, in end of August. And if I recall correctly, I had Kansas city versus the Tampa Bay bucks in the super bowl. Correct. And you had, and you had Kansas City against New Orleans, that, so we did quite, quite well, right? Yep. And we changed and modified a little bit, which uh, as the playoffs uh, came about and got started, so we redid them. And uh, you've got you pick KC Green Bay, so you're alive, and I pick Green Bay Buffalo. So we're all alive. We picked the right team. So folks, we we do have half of brains, and we know what we're talking about. But truth be told, the matchup I want to see. I know you don't, but the matchup I want to see is Brady versus Buffalo. Brady versus Buffalo. You're, you're just trying to just give me a heart attack, eh? He's, well. he's tormented me my entire. He's tormented me my entire adult life. He sent me packing from that stadium. Probably, I've I've watched Tom Brady probably play folks. I would say I can count uh, home in a way five times. And every single time, live, other yep. than once, I was there live. I felt the stadium move when the Bills upset them uh, 34-31. I believe that was the 11, 2011 or 12 season. But uh, I've left in 50, 51 uh, or 56 to 10, I've left. I've left 34 to 7. There's been many of uh, long trips home at the hands of Mr. <laughs> Brady. <laughs> well, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. And uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure we would need to kind of keep you strapped down for that game. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. So so let let's let's talk Buffalo Casey. You know, early or K- Casey's early three point favorite. If 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 and when they get the clear for Mahomes, I, I think that might go up a tiny bit. But we, we know you know they had a matchup earlier in the season after uh, after I, I think it was a reschedule with yep. uh, with the COVID. Yeah. Um, and and Kansas City came in. Buffalo did a pretty good job on them. Kansas City ultimately beat them. I think they beat them by, I think it was nine points or something like that. That's but, correct. Yep, 26-17. Um, okay. Look at that. So I, yeah, I didn't even do my homework, but I thought I remembered that. So what what do you think is going to, what's going to be the difference in this game? And, and how can the Buffalo Bills um, go to the show? They're going to they're gonna need a couple things. And, and this, is a, this is a strength versus strength matchup. I've been, I've been on that the entire playoffs here, and, and the strength for both teams is, is the passing game. Okay, the first the first thing I think Buffalo is going to need number one first and foremost is they're going to need a turnover. Uh, they're going to need maybe even two, maybe even two with with Mahomes, um, whether it be a fumble. Uh, could doesn't necessarily have to come from Mahomes either, but a couple that's the first and foremost, and then three big things that that uh, that I see they're going to adjust that game plan, right? They came in and said, you know what? We're going to stop Hill, Kelsey. We're going to stop that dynamic passing game. And they did. They held Hill. They let two catches for 10 yards or something like that. Kelsey had a, a fairly decent game. Yeah, he got in the end zone there in the corner against Hyde and uh, Hyde or Poyer and, uh, and White. But the Bills defense has got to find a way to slow those guys down again a little bit. I know they're not going to sit in the, the six-man boxes or five-man boxes and let um, you know, Le'Veon Bell or, or Edwards Alaire run all over him again. So they've got to find a way to, you know, slow Hill down while kind of speeding up Mahomes a little bit uh, at the same time. So that's the first key. The second key is, and this is where I disagree with you, who has the most first downs in the NFL? The Buffalo, gotcha. the Buffalo Bills. 
the only team and the second team in NFL history to have 20-plus first downs per game. This team routinely abandons the run, throws the football, and goes on 12, 9, 10, 12, 11, 13 play drives and chews up clock and moves the change. Chains. How they do it was with that passing game, that intermediate passing game. Diggs, Brown, Beasley, those guys are key. My second key of the game is Cole Beasley refining it a little bit. Hopefully the injury is not as bad as we think against Tyron Matthew and moving the chains. And then the second – or sorry, the third key for me, because I – I'm going to make a case for him after the season's done here. Once the Super Bowl's done that I think he's the greatest coach in NFL history. Sean McDermott has to find a way to at least stay up with or out coach Andy Reid. Those are my keys of the game and finding a way for the bills to beat the chiefs. Yeah. And you touched on one of the trends there that I saw this week was there were a ton of that. uh, There weren't a lot of big, 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 um, you know, besides uh, Jameis Winston's little trick play, there were not a lot of trick plays. A lot of it was conventional uh, um, this past weekend. A lot of those intermediate throws, and they just it was methodically moving the chains down, and that's hence the reason why all four games hit the under on the uh, um, on the over under. They were all lower scoring, um, and 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 you are correct. Uh, he's going to have to stay one step ahead of him. But you know, let's just lay this scenario out. If 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 you could, you know, if you could say that Buffalo's down by six with three minutes to go and Josh has got the ball. Would you, where do you sign? Where do you sign? Sign me up right now. Take it and run. Take right? it and run. It's, it's it, the final, like uh, you always hear me talk about the progressions, right? And it's, he's passed every single test. He's, he's shut up every single naysayer of the year from, from the MVP chats to he can't beat the Patriots. He can't win the big game on Monday nights and Sunday nights. He's, he's passed them all. With flying colors, now is the chance one-on-one against the defending Super Bowl champ, MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Sign me up. Sign me up. Down six, down four, whatever it may be. Give me a touchdown with a few minutes to go. I want to see it. I, I, as a Bills fan, I'd, I'd sign up right now. Couldn't agree more. Let's move to uh, the NFC Championship. We got uh... – he just won't go away. Uh, he put Mr. Drew Brees uh, into retirement by the looks of it, by all the stuff that you saw, everything from walking out of the stadium to afterwards with uh, you know Brady coming out and throwing the football around with Brees' kids and having a quick little moment there. It sounds like uh, Brees is done, which uh, that's for another, another day to discuss. But old man Brady, get to another uh, championship game against uh, – Mr. Rogers, arguably the uh, the MVP of the season. Green Bay's a, a three and a half point favorite to to start. There's, as I said to you before, there's no intimidation factor for Brady. It was nice to see him smile when he came off. Uh, I think they can beat Green Bay. I, I really do. I think they've got all the tools for it. I, I loved, I loved the way Leonard Fournette played this week. He played with a purpose. He was the big X factor this week. He had uh, he had the ground and pound going. They sprinkled in Jones a little bit, but. He also had a passing cat, uh, passing touchdown. Uh, I, I, their defense just blew me away. Um, Breeze was horrendous in that game. I don't even think he had 150 yards passing. Um, Green Bay's going to be in for a tough go here. Yeah, for sure they are. And, and you nailed it, Devin White. How fun was it to watch Devin White? I haven't seen a defensive player fly around the football field like that. And uh, it's been a long time, and it was nice to see him all over the field. That's that's one of the keys for me is is why he's able to fly around the field is that Bucks front four. Uh, they kept them clean all game, and not only are they is he important in that they are, are sorry are they important in that fact? They're also important in what you said earlier, and that was that three headed monster and in, in the Packers run game. If the Bucks can slow that down somehow, and they're number one against the run, if they can slow that down. Um, that's asking a lot of Mr. Rogers on a lot of third and longs to be able to convert against that opportunistic uh, defense. So that'll be a key for sure. I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I don't want to lay any predictions on it. Uh, it's like you said, it's the, it's the four teams that we somehow some way thought they were going to be there. And I'm excited uh, just to see, 
you know, if if we can see a little bit of change here, uh, I, I'd love to see any of those matchups. Uh, don't don't kid yourself; it doesn't matter. I think they're all going to be there. Obviously, Buffalo would be number one. Um, you know what? Buffalo deserves it. We deserve it as fans. You especially. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's uh, it's a long going to be long uh, nights here waiting waiting for this to happen. Is it Sunday yet, Dutch? Is it? Uh-oh. Is it already <laughs> Sunday? It's this Tuesday. I got five more days to wait. Oh my goodness! I don't know if I'm going to make yeah. it. Yeah, I don't. And then and, and then just... to top it all off, they give us the six forty game, which I know is the prime time game, and it's it's the sexy matchup. But um, one last point on it. Hey, the NFL couldn't have asked for anything better uh, with all of the the stuff with COVID and and guys opting out and. Um, you know, players going down onto the COVID list and not playing and this and that. We had to sacrifice a lot throughout the season, um, not only for the players, but for the fans to, to be able to watch and games getting rescheduled and doing this. And then to be rewarded with the four teams in the two matchups we have this weekend, you couldn't have drawn them up any better. You, you know, like you said from the start, you got Rodgers and Brady and the two most sexy quarterbacks uh, in the league in my mind. Um, for the next five to ten years here in Mahomes and Allen. It's the fireworks are going to let's just hope we get good games. So the fireworks are going to happen for sure. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Are you ready for some weather games? Because that's the way it's looking like. So it could be some low scoring uh, grinded out football. Not maybe as sexy as we think, though. Uh, keep an eye on that, folks. The weather forecast. We always say. Yeah, and we always say and it's the truth. You look at all the years, and and it's it seems like it's over and over again. Defense does win championships. Turnovers, defense, you got it. Cold weather, some snow, lots of it apparently in Green Bay, I yep. think. And uh, it it's going to be exciting. And they're calling for some heavy rain in Kansas City too, five to ten mils, possibly a snow rain mixture. I don't know what they're calling for in the night though, but. Um, it could be a wild Sunday for sure for our football fans. Well, I don't want to be the the, the, the bearer of, uh, of of I don't know how I want to word this, but I'll take uh, I'll take an all out blitz on the first play and just go after Mister Mahomes and tear him apart the first series. I don't care if you give up a touchdown. Shake it up, boys. Awesome. Dutch, any closing thoughts uh, for this episode? No, sir. Uh, hopefully it worked out uh, doing this remotely. Uh, it's, you know, it's not the same looking at your ugly mug, but anyways, it was good times. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Dutch.